It's a jackalope carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope, jackalope carnival. Hey, Eric. Hi, Becca. So it's that time of year when we are in November and getting close to Thanksgiving. It's true. This is actually one of my favorite holidays. I know, and I don't like it. <laughs> but I do enjoy eating some of the foods. What do you like for Thanksgiving? So actually, I, my favorite holiday food, my favorite Thanksgiving food is something that um, that isn't a typical Thanksgiving food at all. Uh, I actually like enchiladas. Oh, the traditional Thanksgiving enchiladas, I see. Well, it's because, okay, so I'm vegetarian. So whenever I go to Thanksgiving for family, I always make an entree for myself to share. And I really like enchiladas. And so I made enchiladas one year because, you know, it just what, it's what I had on hand. And it became like a thing. Like after that, like my family kept going, are you bringing enchiladas this year? And yeah. And so it kind of caught on and it became a Thanksgiving thing, like Thanksgiving enchiladas. Yeah, I can think of a Thanksgiving where I probably would have really preferred vegetarian enchiladas, and it was probably the root of my no love for Thanksgiving, um, which I have a few reasons, but this one, um, we were invited over to a friend's house for Thanksgiving dinner um, when we lived in Idaho, and you can pretty much guess if I start a story, oh, Idaho. Idaho, it's going to be real sad. <laughs> so we were having dinner with our friends, and I had visited them quite a few times, and they had a lot of pets, which I didn't have and I was always into the pets and the animals. We were eating our dinner. We're eating our turkey. I don't like where this is going. And I was like, um, hey, where's Peepers? Your turkey. (laughs) They had a turkey named Peepers. And my sisters, who I thought were totally like making a joke, were like, you're eating Peepers. I was like, no, it's not. It's just an awful story. That story's just awful. It is awful. And I think in general, and what we're talking about is uh, eating. I think it's a really good idea to not eat your friends um, and our story. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Is about someone who didn't do that. <laughs> so our story today is about Alfred Packer, sometimes known as Alfred Packer. Um, he's also known as the Colorado Cannibal. And <laughs> Yeah, you can see where I'm going. Don't eat your friends. So Alfred is probably, you know, the best moral of the story. Don't eat your friends. Uh, but you can eat your friends and you can eat your nose. You can eat your friend's nose, according to Alfred. So he's the first person in the United States to be prosecuted for cannibalism. And um, he actually happens after the Donner Party. So maybe he had heard, I'm, I'm guessing he probably had heard of them. So who knows if he's in a tough spot and gets the idea. Uh, the story of Alfred Packer though <laughs> is. I don't think you have to be given the idea to do cannibalism. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think biology does that for you. Uh, yeah, who knows? I think Remember it was those like, cartoons when like. Yeah, we'll get to get that. Really but... hungry. And like, they would turn into like, you know, hams and stuff. I think it was debatable how hungry was he like five people hungry. Maybe he should have just been like two people hungry, but we'll get to that. (laughs) We'll get to that. This is the best Thanksgiving. This is like the worst Thanksgiving (laughs) podcast, but we are not including recipes at the end of this one. (laughs) 
Maybe for enchiladas. <laughs> Vegetarian enchiladas. Vegetarian, <laughs> not Alfred Packer. Um, so yeah, Al- Alfred Packer, the story of him is already really in popular culture. Where I went to school at my alma mater in University of Colorado at Boulder, there's a dining hall named after him. And this is the first time I had heard of it. So <laughs> the dining hall has a little bust of him. It's the Alfred Packer dining hall. And I'm like, who's that? And people told me with a snicker, you know famous cannibal, the Colorado cannibal. He was given a musical by other CU alums, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. And Packer even has his own song, which I would like to play with for you guys, but copyright. Um, the Ballad of Alfred Packer by Phil Ox. You know, apparently you get some infamy. Phil Ox got involved in this? Yeah. What, I wonder what, why did he think that was a good idea? It's a good song. Listen, give it a listen. We're going to, yeah, we're going to write songs about fighting for the rights of the common man. Oh, and about this guy who ate people. Yeah. Well, who knows? So got to diversify your song catalog. It's a good little bout. I have to admit that I've not seen the musical Cannibal, the musical. Um, So (laughs) it's on my list, but I have not. So who is he? Who's this infamous cannibal? Alfred Packer, sometimes I said known as Alfred, he was an ex-Union soldier, and he had been honorably discharged from the Union Army, not once, but twice, (laughs) due to seizures. So he was really into being a soldier. Some people say he, like, had tattoos relating to his Army time, and that he was so upset when he was discharged that he gave it another go. He just went somewhere else and enlisted again. Right. This is back in the day when like you could move to another town, change your name and like literally just become a new person. Yeah, that was exactly what he did, except it didn't work. Um, well, the ta- and the tattoos are a little weird. Like no one's tattooing in like the 1860s. Sure they like, are. I mean, they are in the Pacific. Yeah. But I mean, not in like the East Coast of North America. So well, I mean, it's got to be. Is, like, so so I've told I've told you this guy's a cannibal, and you're focusing in on that as being weird. <laughs> and it's, the, it's the tattoos that are upsetting me. <laughs> Fair enough. He wasn't a cook in the army, was he? Because that's just going to take it to a level. I don't think so. But yeah, that gives me something to look up. (laughs) So he enlisted again. Again, they were like, look, you have seizures. This is not going to let you be a soldier. And so he decides at some point after being discharged that he's going to be like a lot of people in his day and answer the call to go west. If the village people singing their late disco era anthem, go west, is in your head right now, then I love you. Y'all are my people. But if it's not, go listen. I still love you, but go listen. That's, and, uh, I like the Pet Shop Boys song. Yeah, it's. but we all know it's originally by the village people. All right, we're digressing here. So while the village people or the Pet Shop Boys are heading west to settle down and live with space, um, most likely Packer was going there to gain his fortune. He's got gold fever. Um, he's hearing these tales because in the mid 1800s, the gold run is happening. Gold and them, their hills. And so he goes out there, um, but he's finding out that he's having a little bit of a hard time holding down a job for the same reason he was discharged from the army, which is that he has seizures. And so he had found work as a ranch hand, a field hand, a miner. He tried some mining companies, um, and then he tried becoming a guide. By the winter of 1874, fate's going to put Packer in the job that would lead to infamy, 
trail guide. And I always feel like I need to say mwahaha or some sort of evil laugh. Eric, I'm guessing you can do mwahaha better than me. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it. There it is. Well, my soundboard, I have an echo effect. Can I use it? Please. I never get a chance to use it. Ready? All right. I'm waiting. <laughs> yes. The trail guide to infamy. So he encounters a group of 21 would-be prospectors who also have gold fever, and they leave Utah in November of 1873. They say about 25 miles out, they meet Packer. Packer convinces them that he can lead them through this rough terrain, this terrible weather. If you've been out west, um, generally November is not too bad, but when we start getting toward the springtime is when the big snows start to come down. They don't think it's going to take them that long, but he's kind of telling them he's the seasoned guide and they pretty much find out that's not very true. Doesn't tell them, I'm guessing he's broke and he can't hold down a job. So they take him on. Some of the people that hired him got seasoned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. One. Sorry. <laughs> There's going to be a couple of those. I bet. Hard not to. So <laughs> Around three months in, during some bad weather, they end up um, stopping at the camp of the Ute Nation, and the Ute Nation's under the leadership of Chief Uray. And Chief Uray, he gives them food and shelter, and he says, you know what, guys, the weather's kind of unpredictable this time of year, and you guys can hang out with us until spring if you need to. So why don't you just stay here? Uray is clearly the hero of the story. He spoke many languages. He was known for being a diplomat. He tried his diplomatic move here, and most of the guys stayed. To be fair, a lot of those, a lot of that group decided that they didn't want to do it. But knowing other prospectors were coming and then probably like, sweet, that's how many less times do we have to divide this goal? A group decides they're going to head out. So remember these names. Packer goes with five other men, Shannon Bell, James Humphrey, Frank Miller, a side of George Noon, and for dessert, Israel Swan. <laughs> <laughs> they decide to push forward. Again, probably wanting the gold for themselves, but this proves to be a really bad decision. You can do the mwahaha here, Eric, if you feel the need. Dun, dun, dun. I feel, I feel, oh, do you want me to? I can. Dun, yeah, I really need that. Okay, right now? Yes. <laughs> oh, that is good. That is good. Every time I make a wrong decision in my life, I really hope that you can do that. <laughs> Just give me a call. All right. So in April... Packer shows up. So right, they leave. It's winter. Time passes. 66 days pass. Packer shows up at the Los Pinos Agency near the town of Sowatch, Colorado. Just Packer. Hmm? Is he looking especially well fed? He is. That's part of the problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> like That's exactly part of the problem. Um, you know, he's got some wild stories the stories change about what happens the first one he's like they left me behind to go look for you know food and he's like i have mad foraging skills because i'm a tracker <laughs> and yet that would be literally a description yeah he does have mad, for mad foraging, foraging skills <laughs> yeah it's like i'm a survivor so he says that you know he foraged and he hunted rabbits and he did all these things and uh, the agents there at this agency, the Indian agency, are like, uh, he's looking really fit and healthy for just kind of eating 
dirt and <laughs> rapids. <laughs> Maybe like a little on the chubby side. And you see what I'm saying? There's a difference between the Donner Party and Packer here. They're saying Packer looked like he just like overdid it on the cannibalism. There's cannibalism and then there's overdoing it on the cannibalism. And so, it's, it's so I've heard. To, I'm not going to say that out loud. Oh my gosh. So I have heard. Right. So Packer is eventually, um, like I said, he goes into... He rests there for a while, and can you imagine, like, he's resting there, and people are giving him the side eye, kind of checking him out, and not in a good way, um, but he rests, and eventually, he goes back to Sowatch, and he should have laid low this whole time, but he doesn't. He doesn't lay low. He's kind of flashing around money. People start noticing that he's got a little extra money. He goes into the saloon, kind of, people are like, hmm, that's really suspicious. So wait, these other five guys are gone. Packer's looking pretty healthy. Suddenly he has extra money and somebody else's gun, one of the other guys' guns. What's going on here? And so watch, he runs into some guys from the original Utah group. So they're like, hmm, that doesn't sound like our friends. They don't sound like they would leave you there. This just doesn't sound right. He gets dragged back again to the agency. So remember, the Indian agency's got um, federal officers. And so that's why he's getting back, dragged back to the Indian agency. And so he gets dragged back there and he's getting questioned. He gives a confession. It's like, yeah. I do have their money. I do have their possessions. I, I ate some. I ate someone. I'm, I may have eaten someone. <laughs> I may have eaten some. I may have accidentally eaten someone. You caught me. I ate them. Um, but no, he talks about how the form, four of the men had died from conditions. It had been really extreme. But as each person died, the rest decided to eat them. Then by the time the, so he says, but it seems like he always drew the long straw. Yeah, and they're and he's saying, well, he's actually saying this is happening as they're traveling. So you know, in in his in his description, they're traveling, and a man will fall, and then they'll eat him for sustenance, and then they move on, and then another falls. So this is what he's saying that they're walking along, one dies, and this is important. Why am I expressing like, telling you this? Well, this is an important part because this is how they catch him. Then he says the last guy went crazy. Um, Shannon Bell went crazy. And so in self-defense, he kills him and eats him. And so this might have been the end of it. But um, while he's telling them this, they find the five skeletons of the men. And <laughs> they are not scattered down the trail, as he has said. They're actually all at the same campsite. And it actually looks like he might have killed them in their sleep. Huh. Israel Swan, one of the men, his remains actually showed the signs of hand-to-hand -hand combat. So, like, this isn't anything the way he's describing what happened. So it shows that Israel Swan struggled. Um, you know, all of this, this particular part of the story has been dissected. No, I don't know. Wait, maybe that wasn't the best yeah, answer. Bad, <laughs> bad choice of words. It's or been... Re-examined over and over, and uh, there's a lot of people who really support. No, <laughs> no tenderized, uh, <laughs> broiled. Right. No, so there's a lot. Happy there's Thanksgiving. 
<laughs> if we had any listeners, we have just lost all of them. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Anyhow, he's, this is enough evidence. He's admitted that he ate someone. Um, and they, it contradicts what he says when they find those bodies. He's taken to Soach and he's thrown in jail. But apparently someone gave him a key while he's being thrown in jail because he escapes. Hmm. So he, he flees. He hides for nine years. He evades the law, evades capture for nine whole years. So okay. maybe maybe he's a better tracker than I thought. Do we know like what he does with his life in those nine years? Yeah, there's different tales that you know he just works some jobs and he basically tried to go under the radar. This gotcha. is my favorite part of the story though, because it's a uh, it ties us in. It ties everything together. He's eventually captured in 1883 in March. He's just doing his own thing in Wyoming, and he has a meeting with one of the original uh, members of that prospecting party. Now, if you Google this, uh, most answers are going to tell you it's in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where this happens. But it is not in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Actually, it's right next to Douglas, Wyoming. And what do we know about Douglas, Wyoming? Birthplace of the jackalope. <laughs> it all comes together. Yeah. So for any of you who have dared to listen to more than one episode, Alfred Packer is caught in the home of the jackalope. And so he's captured and returned to Colorado. And in Colorado, he confesses to eating the men. He never says that he didn't eat people. <laughs> but the question is, is did he eat people because he they died and he just ate their remains to keep alive? Was it in self-defense or did he murder them? And this is what they're trying to find out. And so what actually happens is that he confesses to eating the men. Um, he claims it was hunger and self-defense. You know, he sticks, he changes his story a little, but basically sticks by that he had no choice here. He admits, Maybe he was telling the truth. He was hungry. I mean... <laughs> He admits that he stole the cash, like they're dead. What are they going to do with it? And the goods, which uh, probably his story would have gone better if he hadn't done that. If he um, didn't have a cookbook on him yeah, he would, to serve man. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That was really bad. <laughs> there's, there's your uh, Twilight Zone reference for the day. So um, he's charged eventually with only one murder. He's only charged with the murder of Israel Swan because Israel Swan, remember, is the one where there's signs in the evidence that there was a hand-to-hand -hand struggle. And so he's charged with the murder of Israel Swan. He's under trial in Colorado, and he decides to represent himself. Mm, that goes well. Yeah, it does. It really goes well. So I, I always wonder about this, like when people decide they're going to represent themselves. And maybe, I mean, it's the Wild West. Maybe there wasn't anyone that he felt could represent him. But by all accounts, he is about as good a lawyer as he is a guide. <laughs> <laughs> they said he rambles, he contradicts himself. Like, this is just terrible. Like, this was a bad idea. Um does he so, put himself on the stand and like get up and off the stand to ask a question and stand back up? I don't know, but I'll, I'll be honest. So when you read the trial, um, the, the way that they have the judge speaking and the way that they have people speaking. So it's written in dialect, like sort of, you know, 19th century wild west dialect. It would not surprise me if that was part of it because 
the reality is is that people feel that the trial was very much elaborated on let's say <laughs> that many parts of this i mean this was big news this was big news this infamous cannibal escapes the law for nine years and then he's representing himself and there's this big trial so as we know um he's not a good lawyer he's really quickly found guilty of murder <laughs> The judge, Melville B. Jerry, he says that, the, he rules that Packer should be, and I'm quoting, hanged by the neck until you're dead, 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 and may God have mercy on your soul. Do you think people in the 19th century really talk like that or just wrote like that? Uh, I'm, in my mind, this one, I'm, I'm totally going with he talked like that. Mm. Dead, dead, dead. Yeah. And honestly, I really think that if you get a chance to, it's just a fun little read to read the trial of what the judge says. <laughs> I'm not reading the court transcript of this, of this uh, the, the Packer. It, no, I mean, you, the, the judge reads somewhere like um, Foghorn Leghorn. And <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh my gosh. You know, just, you, you opened up an entire visual in my head. <laughs> Of like Warner Brothers characters like playing out this this trial, and in it we have Foghorn Leghorn as the <laughs> judge. Yeah. I guess like I would imagine that like uh, uh, then Pack will be played by like Wiley Coyote maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. I like that. I say, I say, son. <laughs> Is that Wiley Coyote? No, that's that's Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> oh, that's your Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I'm. <laughs> I we may. That might have just gone completely off the rails. That's all right. That's in okay. every single way. I apologize so, to anybody who is the um, descendant of anybody who was eaten by this man. Packer appeals his conviction, um, and the verdict is reversed. So he's able to do this, but he's tried again. And this time he's found guilty of manslaughter, and he's sentenced to 40 years. But he only serves 17 and um, he gets championed by a lot of people. Like I said, a lot of people didn't believe that he was guilty. He had, this was so famous. And, you know, once things start getting famous, people are taking sides. To this day, uh, people still write whether they think this happened or not, whether they thought he was guilty of simply trying not to starve to death or maliciously killing someone. He gets championed and they find out basically that there's some technicality that when Colorado was granted statehood, the law had changed. And so he basically gets off of this murder charge into manslaughter and he gets paroled in um, 1901. So he moves to Littleton, Colorado. And I enjoyed reading the Littleton, Colorado's uh, webpage on Packer because basically they're like, he's a model citizen and was well-liked by all of his neighbors. <laughs> Best cookouts. Everyone liked to come over. Yeah, I'm like, um, I think people were probably a little wary of him. I don't know. Uh, he dies in 1907. And Would you hire him as dog sitter? I wouldn't. Well, no, they literally, on the webpage, they literally say that children love to come and sit on his knee and hear about stories of the Old West. People in the 19th and early 20th century, like, when they used to have uh, bar sets for your glove compartment and, like, people <laughs> would ride around with their infants in their laps, like, in motorcycles. Yeah, things were different. Well, I, I just can't imagine, though, what tales of the Old West he would tell these children. <laughs> you are not telling my kids any stories, mister. Like, sorry. 
So basically, he lives the rest of his life pretty much without incident and is buried with a military funeral. Because remember, he's a veteran. He was a veteran of the Civil War, buried in Littleton. So you can go by and I'm assuming see his grave. Or you could go up a little ways because Littleton's just outside of Denver. You can travel a little over an hour, head to Boulder and eat at the Alfred E. Packer Grill. They have <laughs> a little Mexican place called El Canabal within there. I'm not even making that up. They're really leaning into this, aren't they? They, they? Oh, completely. That's your trip advice for today. So Baltimore also has a, uh, a famous cannibal killer. It's much more recent. Oh, yeah. Somehow the time. I would say that because when I was looking, I'm like, do I want to talk about Packer or someone more recent? And then I was reading something more recent. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I'm not talking. <laughs> did you run across him? Because I'm not, I'm not even going to mention his name. No, um, no. Because there's a real chance that I, I, I know someone who knows someone that was a victim of this man. I'm not going to add into, him, into his infamy. Yeah, there's definitely something about, A, having a musical by Matt Stone and Trey Parker that <laughs> makes it a little more um, lenient. And also, again, having you know, a restaurant named after that. So so can we talk about this for Bill a second? Oaks it feels has a like... song. <laughs> I'm, Sorry. I'm, oh, right. I'm hoping you're going to sing part of that at some point and add it on. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what I can do. There seems to be an, like an insulation of time that makes things safer to joke about and to talk about H.H. H. Holmes and like his little oh, yeah. murder yeah. mansion. Honestly, and like though. Donner party jokes. I've made honestly, many a Donner, Donner party joke in my life. Honestly, though, I will be flat honest. H.H. H. Holmes was still too gruesome for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, did you, did you read uh, Devil in the White City? I, I did. And the thing is, and the thing I would say about that is I think that there's also a thing of intent. So I'm going to guess that there is a lot H. H. of Holmes. There's, there's no accidents going on there. Exactly. And there's no question. So a lot of people, um, you know, were thinking, well, if I was in his shoes or a lot of people believed him that it was purely in self-defense and out of hunger for not trying not to starve. The whole thing would have been avoided had he just listened to your A, but <laughs> that's not what happened. But yeah, I think so. Right. And so, yeah, this, this other more recent killer who also ate people, like I'm not comfortable joking about him, you know, like it's just, I, I don't know if it's because it's just too recent that there's still going to be a chance that there's someone who's out there grieving and I don't, it would be really, really be awful to, you know, kind of joke about something that's, impacted someone's life in such a, a devastating way. Whereas like anyone who is directly impacted by, by this fella out in Colorado, you know, that, that time has passed, right? There's, there's no one alive today. Well, and again, I think the intent has a lot to do with it. So there's enough of a question where people really have, you know, they're not sure. Also, some of it has to do with Colorado. Uh, <laughs> no, I say that because, no, I'm, I say that. However, you know, I went to, I went to school in Boulder and um, not too far from Boulder is Nederland. And you may have heard of Nederland because Nederland has frozen dead guy days. Yes, I'm waiting for a reaction. Nope. <laughs> they have a frozen dead guy festival. Um, I had friends that would do this. They'd volunteer. There's a man who they keep in a tough shed. They put oh dry ice. My gosh. Are you serious? I'm deadly serious. Deadly. deadly. Yeah. So they have frozen dead guy days. Frozen dead guy um, wanted to be cryogenically frozen. And I think that he was from uh, the Netherlands. Maybe I don't actually know where he was from. Gosh. Hence the name of the town. 
No, the town is named Nederland after a different, but anyhow, I don't remember. <laughs> what please, the, that is the strangest coincidence. Frozen dead guy, forgive me. I don't remember, but I do know that customs was a problem. And he ended up at a relative's place. And somehow, eventually, along the way, he gets adopted by the town of Nederland. And <laughs> <laughs> Nederland has a festival with frozen dead guy. They have coffin races. They have, you know, volunteers that put him on dry ice. This is a whole thing. So like when I say, I think part of it's Colorado, I think part of it's Colorado. <laughs> okay. So I actually have a story. Yes. So have you ever heard of the, sh- the sour toe shot? Yes. Oh no. <laughs> oh Yes. So in Yukon and Territory. And now everyone will. <laughs> and now everyone will. Oh, yeah. So in Yukon Territory, Canada, right, just north of British Columbia, just to the east of Alaska, there's a, a territory called uh, Yukon. And in the town of Dawson. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> should I not tell this story? No, you absolutely should. I'm just giving the disclaimer right now. <laughs> It's, it, seriously, after everything we just talked I about? I know. I know. Yes. Okay. Okay. So in Dawson City, Yukon, probably like, I imagine one of their biggest tourist attractions or their biggest tourist attraction is something called the Sour Toe Shot. Now, this is a great town. By the way, I love Yukon territory. It is absolutely gorgeous. It really is beautiful. It kind of looks like you know, untouched nature. And the little town of Dawson, it looks more or less like something out of the 19th century. Like it looks like an old West little town. And part of that I think is they preserve some of it, you know, because it helps with tourism, but some of it, I think is just some of it (laughs) nice. Some of it, I think is just, that's the way that that city is, you know, like I was in a bar there that, and there was a tinny piano and some dude walked in who had been mining all day. I know because he said so. Uh, he was wearing a, a, you know, a leather vest and no other shirt on. And he sat down and he started playing a, a Chopin Nocturne. You can like leather piano. and Chopin, Eric. You can leather, like leather and Chopin. <laughs> I, was, I, was, you know, I was loving it. You know I was. You know I was loving it. I was like, this is just fantastic. Everything about this is just awesome. I, I love Dawson City. I love you, Dawson City. Uh, but the reason I was there, and I <laughs> I was driving to Alaska uh, with my wife at the time, and I had, we, like, I said, we have to go do this. Like, when's the next time I'm going to be anywhere near Yukon Territory to do this? Like, we were going hundreds of miles out of our way to go to this little town, And she was like, you know, this is literally insane. Like, it's literally insane that you're doing this. So what is this thing I keep referring to? And that is the sour toe shot. So apparently in Alaska, as well as Yukon Territory, basically people keep their hunting sheds open, especially in the wintertime. Because when you're out hunting and you need a place, you know, to crash, like because weather might turn bad or whatever, that could be the uh, difference between life and death. And so it's expected that you keep the door unlocked and, you know, some provisions in there in case people need it. So some man went back to his hunting lodge and someone had been there over the winter, which wasn't unusual. That was no big deal. But (laughs) he found a jar of alcohol and floating in this alcohol was a human big toe. (laughs) 
So he, he he takes him back to town and he goes to the local bar and he's like, guys, you know, I'm, okay, so I'm embellishing this part because I wasn't there, but I'm imagining he's like, hey guys, you'll never guess what I found. And so he's got this jar of alcohol with a human toe in it and there's no story, right? No one's ever come forward to say what happened. Like, did somebody drop, like, was somebody chopping wood without their shoes on? And like, there was oh. a like was a chainsaw involved? Um, you know, did somebody have to give a Heimlich maneuver to a bear and this is what popped out? Like, who knows, right? Any, anything could have happened to make this toe, you know, have to be preserved. But there it was. Well, one thing led to another. And pretty soon people were pretty much daring each other, right, to, to take a shot of alcohol with the toe in it. And again, I, I wasn't there the first time it happened. I don't know you know, what led to this. I'm imagining first people were daring each other to sip a little bit of the alcohol. I mean, it's actually not... Maybe it was self-defense. Obviously. That, <laughs> that toe looked very threatening. But no matter what, right? So drinking a shot of liquor with the toe in it uh, became a thing. This is literally the worst thing I can think of doing. <laughs> and... Yeah. Um, so, right. I wanted, I wanted to witness this. And um, how much more detail do you want about this? Well, I just want to tell that you wanted to see it. It happened. Yeah, it <laughs> happened. Um, so they have something. So by the time I got there, this is a few years ago, uh, I walked into this bar and I'm like, you know, hey, tell me about this toe shot. And they're like, oh, don't worry. The toe shot captain will take care of you. The toe shot captain. I actually heard that the person who invented it died last year. Oh, no. I hope that wasn't the toe shot captain. It, I, it might have been. I just wanted you to. It was. Yeah. Well, God rest his soul. But the this older man who had, he looked like, you know, the sea captain from the Simpsons? Yes. Kinda yes, I like do. That. Yeah. He had like, he had like a, you know, stereotypical blue captain's hat and, a, you know, kind of a grizzled beard. And he had a wooden case with him. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so you would buy a shot of alcohol. It had to be like over 40% alcohol, you know, over 80 proof because. Yes, uh, I understand why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he kept the toe in a little jar of salt. And he would drop it in the, the thing. And then he would say this phrase over it and kind of wave it at you and go, you can drink it fast or you can drink it slow, but your lip has got to touch the toe. And then he would slide the glass over to the person who would drink it. And, you know, they would have to indeed have the toe touch their lips. Um, and then they would slide the, the drink back. And like, in order to get like extra props, he rang the toe out like a little mm. like wash rag and then slid it back. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> right. The, the, <laughs> no, I remember I looked this up after you first told me about it. And I remember that if, and if I remember correctly, they had to get replacement toes. Um, right. And that people so, sent in their toes. They, I think when I was there, they were on their fourth toe because people had either accidentally or on purpose swallowed it. And there was a waiver you had to sign about the toe. Um, oh. and that you. <laughs> 
Well, you know we're going to put all kinds of disclaimers yeah. on this so episode, by the way. For for our listeners that are really hoping to have a little, maybe less indulgence at Thanksgiving, I think we've done you a favor. <laughs> for the rest of you, I am so sorry. I think. Do I have to kind of? Do I have to click the little box that says this episode is graphic? I think. I, I kind think of do. you might. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, no, there you go. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. <laughs> And what we really hope is that you'll listen to another episode. Happy. <laughs> we'll promise to never do something. Well, not never, but we'll, we'll not do something like this for a while. Oh, uh, definitely. All right. Okay. Happy November. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. Jackalope Carnival.